This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So... The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you by Red 10 People Development. Can you believe we only had to message them 34 times before they agreed to sponsor us? On today's podcast, we'll look at how we stopped the Wombles from Wimbledon wandering free, bring you the latest transfer news and take a look at this week's trip to face Newport County. Nafe, how are you doing? I'm feeling pretty in pink in this uh, jump that I rediscovered that I didn't know I had. Uh, no, I'm okay. I... Uh, yeah, I mean, things are moving on. Very sad news at work this week about one of my colleagues. Um, so sending my condolences to his family. Been really tough on a lot of people at work. But from a Wrexham perspective, it's looking good. Someone asked me, I went on a, a Rovers podcast ahead of that game coming up. And they said, you know, am I surprised um, with how it's gone with Wrexham? And I said, no, I think we are where I thought we would be. And the beauty is that I think... It's been a quiet month so far, hasn't it, Rich? I know we'll get into that, I'm sure. But I'm expecting a splash to really add a bit more salt to people's tears before the window closes. More salt from salt. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's going to be a big signing, I reckon, before the end of the window. I do think it will probably be in defence. We'll obviously bring you the latest on the transfer deals. I know Sean Harvey spoke to the leader this week. We'll bring you a rundown of his quotes. Obviously, check out the full story on the leader to give them, you know, the credit they deserve, but we'll bring you the latest of where Wrexham stand on transfers. And, you know, it's a running theme, as we say every week, Wrexham are in the position where they're only got by players who not only strengthen us now, but strengthen us long-term as well. So that's one to keep an eye on. Wimbledon then at the weekend. Atmosphere was pretty crap. Wrexham came through and won in the end, though. Our touch of class shone. Really, I thought McLean and Fletcher were the stand-up players for me. James McLean really grew into the game. You can see he is just a cut above in terms of his own personal fitness, and I think that was was evident again at the weekend. While other players start to tire in the final third, he sort of just gets a second wind, and he just it becomes revitalised. He needs a good away following or good opposition crowd to really wind him up. 
as soon as the goal went in from Fletcher, he turned around and gave it gave it the big one to the Wimbledon fans, which I loved. But yeah, I guess it's a it's an interesting one, isn't it, Nath? Because we are so used to winning now. We are so maybe entitled, spoilt with what we've seen at the race course. But for me, I think there is, you know, deeper beyond the performance, maybe just a little bit of a discussion, maybe an uncomfortable discussion to be had with the fact that the home games have been a, a little flat at times, but I guess that's the nature of there being very little jeopardy quite often. That That's the way it goes. You know, when there's maximum pressure, often that brings out the best in atmospheres across all sport, not just Wrexham. You know, when it's uh, when there is less jeopardy, and who knows, if we get to the final game of the season and it's all on the line for both us and Stockport, you best believe that would be, you know, one of the best atmospheres people will remember. It'll be right up there. When it's a cold afternoon in January against a team that look like they're struggling in front of goal and Wrexham aren't really in in fifth gear or in third gear even um, in that first half, it's, it's tough to get going. You know, fans need something to get them going. I go to grounds up and down the country, as do you, where I think atmospheres, particularly at the top level, I think are really, really poor. I just think we were spoiled last season where it was such a neck and neck race with Notts County that every game, every win felt so crucial. And so the crowd had to be at their optimum. The crowd had to be right there with the players every week, it almost felt like. And then you get those fever pitch games, Notts County, Boreham Wood, even Yeovil on that Tuesday night, you know, really memorable games for us. So I know there's a lot of people have got a lot of thoughts on the atmosphere. For me, this is League Two. This is about winning games by hook or crook. It doesn't have to be pretty all the time. I did think James McLean was good. I'm one of his bigger critics for sure. I've, I've been very hard on him, I think, throughout the weeks of the podcast that since he's been with us. I actually thought Max was a real contender for Man of the Match. I thought he was brilliant. Again, made a key interception at 0-0. I thought he was really composed. And it's no surprise that, what is it, four clean sheets from six now with Max in the lineup? I don't think that's a surprise. I think he's done really, really well and deserved his chance. And look, Jordan Tonnecliffe, Hayden, back in training, but can't see Phil Parkinson changing it anytime soon. I particularly can't see him changing it for Newport this weekend. Um, and Fletcher, you know, he was the one that I would have given it to, man of the match. Just think he made, not, it's easy to give it to goal scorers, I know, but he made such a key contribution um, sneaking behind that that back post to get us going. And, you know, brilliant work in the build-up for Mullins goal. I just think, there are moments where you watch Fletcher and you just think, how on earth? I know his age and everything. How on earth is he in League Two? I, I don't get it. No, it's it's the the interesting dilemma, isn't it, going forward in terms of McLean and Fletcher, that they are both a cut above in League Two, but ultimately might not be as standout in League One. And you can't afford to have passengers whatsoever. It, it's really tricky because the experienced players like them, they bring so much more than what they just do on the pitch as well. Every single one of those Wrexham players, I'm sure, will have had a whole new sort of an eye-opening experience on conditioning and fitness and what it really takes to be a top player. Not just a good football league player, a Premier League player. Because James McLean and Stephen Fletcher set the standards at Wrexham still in terms of fitness and conditioning. The fact that even at their ripe old ages, they are still, you know, that when they get substituted, they don't look knackered, do they? And James McLean... You know, does these intense gym sessions after he's played a full ninety minutes as well? Sometimes, um, it's 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 a difficult one going forward in terms of that because we are very privileged that we're in the position that we could get promoted this season. If we get promoted to League One, I still think there's value in having them around as squad players, but ultimately you need a a vast improvement in your personnel somewhere. So 
you could have Fletcher and McLean, but they would have to be almost the resort and the maybe even the the fringe players in a weird way. Like McLean would have to become your McAlinden and Fletcher would have to come your Dolby because you'd need to have better players ahead of them starting every game, but they could still do a job. I, I mean, interesting enough to, to name drop, I was speaking to uh, Mickey Thomas at, on Sunday uh, at the Wrexham game, at the United game, United versus Tottenham. And me and Mickey, Mickey had been at the game as well himself on Saturday. And we were speaking all things Wrexham, all things both on and off the record. Um, some very interesting chats, shall we say. But he was saying that he'd been speaking to Lou Macari, who, of course, is a Man United and Stoke City legend. And Lou does so much stuff with the homeless and, and everything. He's a real, a real nice guy. And Mickey just told me, and I hope he didn't mind me saying this, but he himself and, and Lou had been, been chatting. And obviously, you know, Stoke City links to, to the Wrexham contingent there in terms of the, the, the older players that we've got. And look, he was speaking to them, speaking to Lou Macari and saying, oh, hey, look, Wrexham just signed uh, James McLean. They've just signed Stephen Fletcher, both of whom have been at Stoke City rather recently. And Lou Macari did say to, to Mickey, as so he tells me, that they just ultimately were deemed not good enough for sort of championship or League One. And although they're coups for Wrexham to have right now, there is still concern, I think, about if they could do it at League One level on a consistent basis. You know, I think it's a conversation we have to have at the end of the season, perhaps, once we do hopefully get promoted. But I think there's worth in keeping them both around, just I don't think we could rely on them to be playing as much as we do now. It's a really fascinating discussion on both of those two. Um, Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of their contracts. There might be automatic promotion clauses there may just be offers on the table that if we go up you get a new deal I'm not sure what the incentives were to get them but I think it'll be a very interesting summer for Wrexham in terms of the level of sentimentality that comes you know waving off captains probably waving off long-term goalkeepers some of your longest serving players fan favorites I think there'll be wide you know um, or major change I'll say that and with that comes thanks for the memory, some tough decisions. And that might be to McLean that we can't offer you a major role. We can't offer you a regular starting role because if he becomes the McAlinden, McAlinden doesn't always get on the bench. No. So is that I a role that James McLean wants? For me, I mean, James McLean's only 34. And, you know, once you actually become older in real life anyway, you realise that 34 sounds very old for a footballer, but in principality, you're still so young. I think James McLean, certainly you keep him, even if he just becomes the second choice left wing back. He just brings so much and opposition fans very rarely can cope with him. He gives you that bit of needle, that bit of grit. He gives you those those variables that you can't really measure or gauge. He just has that. He just has it. He's just that guy. He's got those things that you can't quite quantify. And I think Fletcher's similar. He's just so tuned in and he's just so aware. He reads the game so, so well. That, you know, I do see value in both of them, and you know, I do. I would like, I personally would like them both to stay, but it would be on the proviso that we sign even better players and we do improve the squad around them in general. Because I think if you go into League One with McLean and Fletcher starting every week, I do just think other teams will run with ring, rings around you because there'll be other teams who have players of that pedigree of that experience. And there'll also be uh, teams who just have a better quality of player as well. So I think there's value in having them as personnel and and people. Maybe not having them as regular players, though. 
Yeah, that's that's the key, isn't it? I think. I mean, they're just when they're on it and when they're in their when they, when they're up against it, they can look very very susceptible. But when they are on it, they just look so far above the player they're coming up against. Fletcher's pulling off some exquisite turns against Wimbledon that had their players bamboozled. And I'm not surprised. They're League Two footballers that look completely bamboozled when he's managing to do a Cruyff turn just inside the area and then feed it to Mullen and the players blinked and it's it's, it's gone. Um, but it is that, you know, and how old's Stephen Fletcher now? 37? He, he might be fine. Just, you know what, I'll give it a year. And I'll, what I find with footballers in towards the end of their careers is it's less about, I think personally, it's less about projects and uh, minutes. And it's more about what does their family need? Where do they want to be? Where do they want to be based? Where are their kids based? You know, they don't want to take the kid out of school. Do you want to live in it? All of that. I remember speaking to Manny Smith in a podcast a long, long time ago. And we spoke a little bit about his time at Gateshead and he said he was living out of a hotel room and his kids would come up to visit him and it would just get him down. It just wasn't what he wanted. And he realized after one year that I don't do this anymore and I'd rather be close to home. And there's a lot of players like that. You know, take Ben Toza, for example. I think his family are based down towards Northampton. I know they have a base up here um, nearer towards Wrexham. But again, that's going to be a decision for him out of contract at the end of the season. Would you want to give it another year and sort of mentor any defenders still at the club and mentor them on how to do a long throw. We could still use that, couldn't we, going up the levels. Um, I think Jordan Davis and George Evans quite fancy themselves as long throw specialists. But, you know, would he want to live away again? It's a big commitment, I think, that a lot of us often take for granted because they play for our team and we expect them to move and do all this and that. So Fletcher, McLean, um, Tozer, others, you know, what do they want? More than more than what do we want? Because we'd be happy to cut them if we wanted to, and so it goes two ways. That's what I think. I think of those three that I've just mentioned there, I can see one of those staying. I don't know which one, but I could see two of them sort of shaking hands and and a thanks for the memories. Yeah, I think that's an important factor there, Nath. That even just at all levels of the game that I've sort of covered there's so many it's so often that when a player is playing bad or things aren't quite going right on the pitch there's often so many factors behind the scenes that you're just unaware of and you're never going to be fully aware of as a supporter unless you've got sort of insider information because it's private confidential information but you know if a player at a certain club doesn't work out quite a lot of time there's a there is a very valid reason for it and just think about you any walk of life yes they might come across as superhero human celebrities but they are still just human beings at the end of the day and if your headspace isn't right you're never going to perform to your, your full capabilities and you're never really going to be at 100% so it's such a key component and again is a key factor i think of why Phil Parkinson is such a good manager because he's good not only of managing footballers but human beings and he gives people the time the the space that they need, the support that they need, just as Rob and Ryan do as owners. And they go above and beyond that to, to treat people as the individuals they are and as the human beings that they are. So it is a big factor. Got to be interesting to see what Wrexham do in terms of that going forward. And yeah, we, we shall see. M- maybe, you know, if we've got to go back as well to that earlier point, much earlier in the podcast now about uh, atmosphere and stuff at, at the race course ground, you made a good point then, Nate, saying that, you know, that, like I said, there is no jeopardy. Last season, I think, even was a, a little bit flat. But I think what's going to be really an interesting sort of 
what I'm going to try to say on this one, I guess in terms of atmosphere, it is just how you cultivate that going forward, isn't it? I mean, obviously, once that new cop is open, that should improve that. Watching those poor souls there on the weekend, they looked absolutely frozen and drenched through against Wimbledon. Not having a roof obviously doesn't help the atmosphere there. I thought, you know, Mould Road were, were good at getting some chance going as well on, on the weekend, but it is difficult. It, I think there is almost sometimes this myth that there are these grounds where it's rocking for 90 minutes because we've been privileged to go to so many big football matches at all levels across the world, really. And there are exceptions, of course, but on the whole, there's very few clubs I visit in the English football pyramid where it's rocking for 90 minutes. And the race course has been as loud in the last sort of 18 months as any ground I've ever been in. You think of that Sheffield United game at home, you think of Notts County, Boreham Wood, that was electric. I mean, for me, that Notts County game is one of the best atmospheres I've been to in a long time. Any sport, any event. You know, when I think of really, really good atmospheres, I have to go way back when I, I covered a game at Juventus and it was their ultras had returned. The, the whole thing I don't need to get into about Italian ultras and how embedded they are in the, in the clubs and the identity of a club. They'd returned to, to the ground and it was just incredible. It was, you know, what you would expect from these European games. But so much of that was down to dialogue between a fan organisation and a club. And if you go up and up and up the levels, same at Premier League clubs, there are Crystal Palace and others that they have not ultras, so to speak, rich, but they have a group that organise, I don't know, they organise banners or they organise... Um, songbooks or whatever the case may be and it sounds cheesy to some people but you do need ringleaders to establish traits within a ground to get fan bases going look at Man United have singing section don't they I know other grounds do it across the Premier League they have dedicated areas which are it sounds ridiculous I know but they are the noisy people that will get generate atmosphere so I think people are maybe overly harsh Nathan say I think the genuinely now I think the worst atmosphere I've I've heard all season was Liverpool versus Man United in December. Right, it was dreadful from both sets of fans. And Partly because you know, nothing happened game. on the pitch. There was there's nothing really for it to go off on, but it was dreadful. It was absolutely pitiful in terms of an attendance, uh, in terms of a uh, atmosphere. Sorry, and yeah, obviously you can't compare the two like for like all the time, but. We are very sport, very entitled, and if the problems now are Wrexham are winning, but the crowd's a bit quiet, I suppose that's just something we've got to, got to deal with. Because, you know, the truth is, I go to games now where it's quite hard to get too excited because it is only oh, Wrexham are playing this mid-table team and we're going to win. There is a a real sense of sort of privilege, and I guess we have been just spoiled. There's been so much gluttony for for goals and for winning at the moment in North Wales, that it's going to be difficult for them to stand out. But yes, things might have been better in that sense before the takeover, but they were much worse on the pitch. And going to watch Wrexham now is an actual experience and everyone wants a piece of it. And I do worry, you know, long-term about sometimes the direction the club's going in, but I wouldn't trade a good attend- a good atmosphere in non-league to watch some of the dross we did for, for the footballing masterclasses no we see every weekend now. So I understand the uh, the concerns. I do think hopefully, uh, you know, eventually when the cop gets properly built as well, that will help to eradicate it somewhat. We can hopefully have a, you know, sort Rich. of a hardcore section of support in, in one section of it. But, you know, it's it's a very good Rich. problem to have. 
Rich, think about it like this, though, that when me and you were growing up, Blackburn were an established Premier League team, pretty much in, in my book. They've been there for a long time. I know they've been in the Championship a good few years now. But there's a very real possibility that Wrexham and Blackburn could be in the same division next season. Now, if you'd have offered me that when the takeover happened, that within five years that you and Blackburn are in the same division, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed that, that to be possible. Um, and so sometimes you have to just sit and reflect on how fast Wrexham are moving. You know, things are, well, we've got gripes about this and that. The club is growing at a rate that is very, very difficult to manage. On and off the pitch, we're talking, we need, you know, major players. I mean, what was that story linking Wrexham with? Uh, you know, a £1.5 million move for Mr. Macaulay Langstaff. Can't see that coming off. But, you know, even Wrexham in conversations where there's a million plus on the figure, it's just the mind boggles. It was only two minutes ago, it feels like, that we were shaking the bucket to get naughty naughty in central midfield Build for the Gary Mills. Build yeah. the budget. You know what it's like? That wasn't that long ago. That wasn't that long ago. It wasn't so... long ago we are having to DM people 34 times for a transfer revenue, was it? So... No, it's all, and it, we only ever do it 34 times as well. Anything, not, yeah. Nothing more, no, nothing less. Know your, no, your limits. limits, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, that's an interesting one. I suppose it brings us neatly onto onto the transfer situation at the moment then, Nay. For me, like we said, 17th of January, we always expected Wrexham to do their business late this window if they were going to do it at all. Of course, we spoke to Richard Sutcliffe from The Athletic last week and he he divulged a bit on on the transfer sort of strategy and, and the business that could be expected to be done. Uh, like we said at the front at the top of the podcast, uh, Sean Harvey did speak to the leader this week. Um, you can read the article on, on their website. And here's what Sean Harvey said to Richard Williams. He said, if we ring and ask about a player, the initial demand is probably even greater than the inflated demand everybody always makes when someone rings to try and buy one of their players. So Wrexham tax in, in full force there. He said, we just apply a very simple value test. Does the signing of that player add value to the football club? If the answer to that question is yes, we generally try and sign the player. The value is measured in many different ways. They need to either immediately come in and play first team football still be there in 12 months' time, or someone that we can develop and sell for a transfer fee in the future. The test isn't always the same, and signing a player in January to potentially replace somebody who may leave in the summer is part of the process. We got that process right in the National League. Uh, That is evidenced by where we are in League 2 today, not just by the fact that we got promoted. So it's something we have said for a long time on the podcast, not to blow our own trumpet too much, but (laughs) to buy someone, they ultimately not only need to do a job now, they need to be future-proofed and they also, in certain circumstances, need to be someone that can be sellable or we can cash in on as as an asset because you don't want to get lumbered with them and them just to be sort of rotting away in, in the reserve. So there's a fine art to it all and it is far easier said than done. I also think, again, to repeat ourselves here, that it's part of the reason why Wrexham just do not get the credit that I really think we deserve. And I know I'm biased in, in that train of thought, but the amount of teams in world football, different leagues everywhere, having money is a huge advantage, but it's only a huge advantage if you spend it correctly. And I've seen so many teams not do that. Wrexham have invested it right, not only in, the, in good players, but good personalities as well. And yeah, I think that I have full faith we will uh we will be getting some some big signs by the end of the month. I just Rich, wonder we, if they'll try to recycle that Luke Armstrong tweet on, on deadline we, day. 
Rich, we've we've missed the we're what are we twenty odd minutes into the podcast? We've missed the headline news in that Arsenal did not enact their recall clause on Arthur Conquo. So Arthur Conquo will be with so Wrexham the 15th, until the end that? of the season. That was the fifteenth. That has passed. Um, Wrexham will have Arthur Conquo until the end of the season at the very least, of which he will then be a free agent. As far as we know, Arsenal haven't offered him a new contract. Um, given the likelihood of Thursday announcements every time we release the podcast, expect some uh, news this Thursday. Huge when it's news, down, no yeah. Huge news of Arthur Conquo's eight-year deal. Um, but no, that is good news. That is the big. That is that is potentially the best bit of business we could do. Just keeping him, uh, keeping hold of him. McNicholas signing on, and whether they recycle that Luke Armstrong tweet, I don't know. I think, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on these? Like, uh, would you rather just have like a picture scarf above the head, or do you like sort of the idea of Johnson Clark Harris like coming seeing... in and playing? The piano on the pitch or something. Yeah, I mean, was it Burnley who traditionally did quite good ones? I do like seeing teams get creative about the the manner in which a player is announced, but I do feel sometimes that a player is almost destined to fail because of it, because of the the sort of viral nature of their announcement strategies or whatever. It's 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 a really difficult one. I, you know, if a good player is being signed, I don't really care. And you know, I think what was it? Man United's tweet announcing Ronaldo was the most liked tweet ever in the history of. X maybe 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 that's right until Wrexham announced a permanent deal for Arthur Conquo and then that'll yeah. be but that was yeah. just a, a club statement do you know what I mean right. so if it's a big enough signing it'll do the talking for itself you don't need to ramp it up if there's a bit of fun to be had I mean when we got a Conquo on loan we tweeted the Arthur theme tune didn't we yeah I so, loved that show as a kid I loved Arthur so you know Great there's show. a lot to uh there's a lot to that and I guess Nafe while we're talking transfers a little bit of tidbit here maybe from from some digging I've been doing. Obviously, there were the reports linking Wrexham with uh, with Charlie Savage. I uh, reached out to someone very close to the player himself from from his time at Manchester United, and they got back to me. And what they said, this was the start of this week, was there is definite interest in Charlie Savage from a number of clubs this month, but the Reading situation is confusing it at the moment to give anyone a real insight into how much it would cost to buy him. So Reading want to keep him, he is ultimately going to be for sale if someone can stump up the right amount of money. But even Reading themselves don't know how much money that would be. They are open to potentially a, a full sale as a club anyway. I mean, there's that uncertainty surrounding their owner at this moment in time, who's believed to be, you know, open to a, to a transfer, a full sale of the club. But you know, there's so much jeopardy in, in that. Um, but the person did say, look, more time that goes on this window, they are going to have to generate funds somehow. He's certainly a player that they could cash in on. We just have to keep an eye on it right now. But again, that sort of buys into the the wider issue we've been speaking about as well for, for many weeks, that the transfer window is such a fluid situation, isn't it? Because was it, so he mentioned it um, on last week's podcast, that George Evans and Arthur Conquo only became available in the last four or five days right. of the summer transfer window. So Wrexham's huge signing this month might not even be for sale right now, but this time next week he might be. And that's the that, dilemma. It is like a game sexy centre-back. You've got to hold back. your cards close to your chest and then at the death, that's when you almost make your, make your plays. So, yeah, just be patient, I suppose, Wrexham fans. Just be patient. The sexy centre-backs are coming.
Newport this weekend. Uh, feels like about two minutes ago we played them at home and I was face on, head on in the cop for that first game back uh, in the wind. Um, that was a very crazy game because the ball was going straight up and out uh, with the wind, but a good win in the end. It was a tough game, that really physical game. And I think that's where teams are getting some joy against us, trying to out-physical us, trying to out-muscle us. But the elephant in the room, surely to God, these Newport players have got one eye on playing Man United. It's got to come into it, hasn't it? And it'd be interesting to see, as we're about to get into in this chat, if that influences their team selection this weekend. Newport, of course, the smallest budget in the Football League, one of the smallest squads as well. So maybe don't have the luxury of rotating quite as much as, as Wrexham do. But look, it's Man United at home. And on recent performances, you'd say it's, it's a winnable game against Manchester United as well. So why do they not fancy it? United will, will want nothing less than going to Rodden Parade with all the, the world watching them. So there's a big chance for a, a scalp. Of course, though, they've got to have what we've called a grudge match against Wrexham this weekend. We're not calling it a derby. It's not quite that. But ahead of the game, I caught up with Ed from the 1912 Exiles podcast. And here is what he had to say ahead of Wrexham's trip to Newport this weekend. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I suppose, well, Ed, the, the, the place to start is the fact that uh, Newport have gone uh, international again. Another big cup tie to look forward to. Is there real positivity around the club at the moment? Yeah, there is. Um, look, we went into this season just hoping to keep our heads above water. It's such a strong division this year, the fourth division, you know, not just because of Wrexham, but Stockport, I think, are a seriously good team. Notts County are a good team. You know, there's other sides who are perhaps struggling, but who've got money to spend, the likes of Salford and Forest Green. You know, you've got teams like Gillingham with money to spend. I think probably a lot of county fans with the lowest budget in the entire football league were looking at it and thinking, God, let's just keep our heads above water. Um, and so far, so good. We, we're doing that. We're on course for survival and we've got a cup run. And if you'd offered me survival slash mid-table and a run to the fourth round of the FA Cup and a game against Man United, I think I'd have probably bitten your hand off for that back in August. I suppose without being uh, too greedy here, is there a little bit of you that's wishing it was away instead? No. Not at all. No, have them at home. Best chance of beating them. Um, you know, it's always nice to tick off a, a new ground and I've, I've not been to uh, Old Trafford before, but, you know, we'll tick it off in the replay, so that's fine. Yeah, I guess I, I guess it's quite similar to sort of the, the Wrexham mantra as well, that if we were to get a big cup tie, I think Wrexham fans would, would want them at home, given that's the best chance of actually getting through the, the tie itself. But obviously, you've got the chance of... Uh, of a big payday if you play them away but obviously at home there is a a good chance obviously Newport got a good pedigree in the cup competitions I know ahead of our game last month people were saying Wrexham versus Newport is that a rivalry 
is that really a derby match? Well, I guess it is the temporary stand derby at the moment. Obviously, we had the temporary cop stand from when you played us. You've now got new seating for, for this weekend as well. We're expecting a bumper crowd. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't I don't think it can count as a derby match because I think any game where you've got to spend three hours, three and a half hours on a train cannot be a derby. But I think there's a grudge element to it. So I've always called it a grudge match. Um, it's certainly hotly contested. I think there's a bit of needle to it. Um, and yeah, like you say, it as it happens, it's worked out very well. I don't think we would have got temporary seating just for Wrexham. But the fact that we've got Wrexham, Man United, Swindon and then Notts County, it sort of makes sense because all of those are going to bring a big... Uh, away following there's going to be obviously extra home interest as well so um yeah listen it's not a local derby match but there's a bit of needle a bit of a a grudge to it I mean from my point of view I think there's also something quite celebratory about it or there should be you know we're we're fans of the less glamorous traditionally Welsh uh, clubs and I think it's a chance to showcase that you know outside of the big two um, and outside of the Welsh leagues, actually, there's there's a lot of health in in Welsh football elsewhere. So um, I think it's a good chance for Newport and Wrexham fans to celebrate um, what we've got in common, as well as to enjoy the things that uh, are different between our two clubs. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm not sure it's going to be very much sort of handshakes and happy clapping on, on the weekend. It will be, like you said, a grudge match, given the history between the two clubs. But since we last played, I mean, Newport unbeaten in all competitions. Obviously, the cup runs maybe amplified that with two games against Eastleigh now. But, you know, Newport might be lower down the table, but on a decent run across the last month. And, and personally as well, much better team when we faced each other at the race course for the first half, at least. Yeah, I mean, we're our form's been patchy this season. Um, we started well. We had a relatively easy run of games at the start of the season. We then perhaps struggled a little bit against some of the better sides. Um, I think... Newport County's place in the league is is bang right. You know, we are better than some of the teams at the bottom, your Suttons, your Forest Greens, your Colchesters. Um, and we can take points off some of the ones in the middle. But up against the, the sides at the top, we've tended to struggle. The notable um, exception to that was Stockport, who we actually beat um, at home and had our best performance of the season in a game that probably told most Newport fans that we're going to be OK this year. But um, yeah, we are. Look, we're a mid-table team. We are solid at home, much better at home than we were a year ago. Last season, our home form was pretty dismal. Um, and although we tend to concede, we've been much better this year at, at finding the net as well. So um, yeah, there's been a lot of draws within that form, but we've been gradually accumulating the points, and that was the target at the start of the season. In terms of, like we said, that last meeting at the race course, because like I, I think there were positives. From Newport's point of view, Wrexham just didn't maybe really get going. There was maybe a little gulf in quality towards the end to, to get the cushion, but far from comfortable. Does that give Newport fans a lift heading into this weekend? Because obviously there's always the incentive to beat Wrexham, to, to get one over on us. But there must be positives from the fact that, look, you came to the race course and gave us a bloody good game as well. I think the problem we've had in the last game and with the game coming up this Saturday is that although on paper... These are both massive league games because of the attendance and the extra media coverage. Because of the games around them, they're not the most important. So, you know, we played you on 23rd of December. Well, immediately after that, we had Forest Green at home, we had Crew at home, and then Sutton away. Well, you know, those were a chance to, to really get some points and some distance between us and the bottom two. Um, and obviously, we're playing you Saturday, but a lot of the attention and people's minds are going to be on what happens the following weekend uh, against Man United in the Cup. So um, there is a little bit of um, 
Wrexham's really important, but we sort of want to save our players' legs for what follows. Um, so, uh, yeah, a, a good performance and a point would be would be fine and no injuries, I guess, is the most important thing, probably. I think when, obviously, Wrexham fans are looking towards this fixture as well, we're, we're looking at the fact that you have played this extra game this week. Do you think that will be a, a contributing factor this weekend? Do you think we'll see a rotated, maybe even a weakened Newport side, given that, look, they've played in midweek and, like you said... You want everyone to be fit and to enjoy that day against Manchester United because that is one that will stand out for for the entire careers of these players. Um, so if Graham Coughlin, the manager, gets asked about this, I have no doubt he will say, "Oh, I don't have a squad that's big enough to rotate. You know, we uh, we we need to go out and bring some players in, and you know, he'll give the kind of classic manager answer that he needs more players and uh, he won't rotate. It's all too important." Um, in reality, I think there probably will be a little bit of resting players. I mean, there was last night, to be fair. Um, you know, Adam Lewis, uh, who we've got on loan from Liverpool, played the first 45 minutes and then came off at half-time because he's still recovering from injury. I wouldn't be at all surprised if on Saturday we see the same thing where Lewis plays a half and uh, and Josh Payne plays a half. Um, we haven't, we're not, uh, we don't have an abundance of riches up front, but again, it's quite possible that we might see um, either Will Evans or Seb Palmer Holden given... 45 minutes on the bench and young Kiban Rai uh, given a, an opportunity to, to play a half of football and, and make one last sort of stake for a, a, a place in the first team squad before uh, he maybe gets loaned out if he doesn't perform. So there'll be a little bit of that going on. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it is likely that we'll try and not redline all of our players because there's a lot of tiredness and fatigue in that squad. I guess more of the final questions then is, what what are you thinking out of this weekend then? Are you confident that you can keep this good run going? I mean, Wrexham notoriously a worse away from home as te- most teams tend to be. And like you said, you had that scalp against Stockport. I mean, if you can beat them, of course you can beat Wrexham. Yeah, I mean, football's full of surprises. And, you know, as, we, as I've been saying all day, doing various interviews ahead of the Man United game, if football was all about... Uh, finances and bank balance then we wouldn't bother going and watching games on a Saturday afternoon we'd just sit at home and read clubs annual statements of accounts we don't do that because on the day if the less fancy club takes its chances and the more fancy club doesn't then the lesser club wins that's what happened for us uh, against Stockport and has happened for us in various other games this season Um, I think Newport's tails are very high at the moment I think Coughlin will want to keep uh, them to the standards that he's been setting them Um, and I suspect we will probably be a little bit more physical than we were in, in the first game. Um, uh, so if I had to predict something, it would probably be that we will um, push Wrexham a little bit harder than we did away. We'll probably take the game to you a bit more than we did away from home. Coughlin occasionally will throw a surprise up. You know, he started three up front against Stockport, which was the last thing anyone expected. And, and it took them probably the best part of an hour to really get to grips with it. So... With all of that and a little bit of optimism, um, I'm going to say we're going to take a point off you. Uh, we've had a lot of 1-1 draws recently. It feels as though December and most of January has been one long one-all draw at Rodney Parade. So let's let's stick with that. Let's say 1-1. So Naif, he reckons that a draw could be on the cards there. I mean... They've beaten Stockport at home this season. Wrexham typically not always at our best away from home. Both teams distracted maybe somewhat by the FA Cup. What do you think is going to happen? 
Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because I think we've seen enough on the road to suggest that a draw wouldn't be a bad result. You know, four points off Newport, you'd say the happy days, win your home games. I think it's winnable for us, isn't it? If they are going to rotate, our rotation is much stronger, you would imagine. Our squad depth is just obviously much deeper. Um, But we shall see. I think we might edge it just about. I think we'll take a good following down there. More tickets went on sale yesterday on Wednesday. Um yesterday when you listen to this and and I, I I fancy it but what I I'm not sure I want to see from the office that Fletcher Mullen combination again I wouldn't mind seeing something I wouldn't mind seeing a Dolby or a Palmer if he's fit to to just wear them down a bit you know because they were very physical and they did do quite well against us in really tough conditions so wouldn't mind seeing that and I think Elliot Lee is due a breakout game again. I think he's he's been a slightly, by his standards, slightly off it in, in recent games. I think he's due a breakout. And while, yes, we've got one eye on Blackburn, I think Newport's eyes, you know, no player will want to get injured or pick up any niggle. And I, and I don't think they're in immediate danger of relegation with Troy Deeney uh, dragging Forrest Green down to the National League with, uh, with his savagery against all the players. So, I think we'll edge it, Rich. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like their optimism for a draw, but I thought in the end, at home with a decent value. And uh, maybe it's maybe this away game is one for James Jones to come in and start. I thought he really made a difference against them. And maybe this is one for Cannon to get a rest or something like that. It's it's Yeah, I think we do need to just mix up the squad a little bit, get get a bit of a finer balance. But yeah, I, I you know you know me. I'm, I'm always going to... Play devil's advocate. Here we go. Points away from home. I, I do think personally that just given the fact that it's a Rodney Parade, it's such a horrible little stadium to go to. It's difficult to get an atmosphere there. Never mind the race course on the on the on the match day. Um, obviously they've got the temporary stand in there as well this weekend. Yeah, I I reckon a draw is likely this weekend, but I also don't think it's a bad bad point if we do because like we said, no. there's so much football left to be played. Wrexham have got so many winnable games coming up. We've also got a lot of our rivals at home as well this season. So I think whatever happens, we're going to be absolutely fine. That's my positive message I want to end this podcast on. We're going to be absolutely fine, Nave. Whatever happens, though, we will be back next week on Rob Ryan Red. Nave, thank you very much once again. Thank you. Oh, next week we come back, we'll be looking forward to an FA Cup tie. Uh, tickets out today, Thursday the 18th, 7,000 tickets. Good luck if you are going. Commiserations if you're not, because I know that that Monday switch has scuppered lots of plans, including my own, um, with friends and family due to go. So it'll be a belting day out. We'll talk all about that next week. And if you're going to Rodney Parade, travel safe and please all wear terrible purple jumpers um, I'm going to say the other words so uh, yeah thanks for listening thanks for all the reviews and everything I know people are leaving comments on Spotify you can leave it under every episode we publish those we read all of those and email if you want to email us robryanred at gmail.com Rich I will speak to you then next week yes yes you will thank you very much to Rex and Bass Band Hypnotic for letting us use their music their stings in the podcast thank you very much once again to Red Tent People Development a sponsor we can trust. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. 
all your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.